Hallelujah. Amen. Again, I welcome you to Sunday School Rally 2022. And I welcome those of you worshiping with us online to another year, Sunday School Rally 2022. You're welcome in Jesus' name. As we stay tuned, I believe God that his purpose for our lives today will be fulfilled. Amen. Shall we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. Awesome God, we bless your name for whom you are. Thank you for what you've been doing so far in our midst today. And we trust you to continue even as we share the bread of life. And through all this, through the whole thing, let Jesus and Jesus alone be glorified and our joy be full. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, I'm going to read Matthew eleven twelve From the Amplified Classic. It says, And from the days of John the Baptist until the present time, the kingdom of heaven has endured violent assault, and violent men seize it by force as a precious prize, a share in the heavenly kingdom, so south with most ardent zeal and intense exertion. So my topic is the violent takes it by force. Amen? That's what we just saw here. The violent takes it by force. When you look at what I just read now, right from the days of John the Baptist until today, he says this present time, the kingdom of heaven, and you're asking, what is this kingdom of heaven? I just tried to do a little walk. I looked at it. It says it is a spiritual realm over which God reigns as king or the fulfillment of earth, fulfillment on earth of God's will. So I thought to myself, I think I like this definition. They have others. Another one says it's a process, a course of events whereby God begins to govern or to act as king or Lord, an action, therefore, by which God manifests his being, God in the world of men. Praise the Lord. So I like to go with the initial one because I see whenever Jesus wants to say something, wants to do, he says the kingdom of God has come upon you. The kingdom of God has come upon you. And he says we are to seize it. And that we're not just to seize it like that. It describes how we are to seize the kingdom of God. He says we are going to seize it by force. He says you are going to seek the kingdom as a precious prize. Precious prize. What is most precious to you? A share in the heavenly kingdom. He says you seek it. It is sought with most ardent zeal. Passionate zeal, passionate, intense exertion 
to the point of exertion. That's how you seek it. You seek it vehemently. Praise the Lord. That is what it is. You seek to take that which belongs to you. You take it by force. You will not allow the enemy to do what to talk you out of it. Praise the Lord. The kingdom of God should be taken how violently, violently and by force. Amen. The passion says from the moment of John, from the moment John stepped onto the scene until now, the realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth and passionate people, passionate people, they have taken hold of its power. Praise God. I don't know how many of you are interested in the things of the kingdom, your rights and your privileges, your inheritance, all that God has given to you. Are you passionate? Just how passionate are you about it? About the power that is yours in Christ. Today it says you have to do what be passionate about it. Praise the Lord and seize it by force. For you to seize something, it means that somebody is trying to do what struggle with you. Somebody is dragging that thing with you. But you have to seize it by force. Amen. You have to be violent. So, in the olden, it says till now, in, back then in the olden days, before John the Baptist, the people were given inheritance. But they were expected to fight to take that which God already gave them. They were to violently take it by force. And that fight involves violence and force physically. Those promises that give the inheritance, didn't just, it didn't just fall on their laps. Like we read, God gave it to them. But he says you have to fight for it. Amen? The same way it's happening today, the same thing. God has given us all these precious gifts. Unsearchable riches of Christ. Your inheritance. But it doesn't just fall on your laps. You have to do fights. Violently, violent. By then, the point is that we don't fight from the point of the feet to go get it. No. That is what Christ has done. It's already a done deal. But you have to fight the fight of faith to keep that which rightly belongs to you. Amen. Fight the good fight of faith. Be violent and take it by force. Seize it from the enemy. Amen. Whether it be your health, prosperity, whatever it is, riches, wealth, whatever it is, it is yours. As we go on, you will see what I'm saying. Praise the Lord. Let's do some reading. We may not read all of them. Numbers 33, I think where we just read, let us quickly look at that 50 to 56. It says, now the Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho, saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you have crossed the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall drive Drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you. Destroy all their engraved stones. Destroy all their molded images and demolish all their high places. You shall dispossess, dispossess the inhabitants. Then he now tells us, those inhabitants that dwell there have taken this land, have given you this land. 
It's no longer theirs. I've given you the land to possess, and you shall divide the land by lots as what? Inheritance. Amen. You see what I'm saying? God gave them the land, but he wants them to do what? To fight. Amen. Let's see Joshua 1. Joshua 1, 1. I'll just pick up the ones that, have, you know, we're going to minister to us. Relevant to what we're saying. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all these people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the soles of your foot shall tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. He repeated it. He didn't just say, I give you the land. He said, now, wherever the soles of your feet treads on, I give it to you. He repeated this, amen. He has given it to them. And yet, he says to do what? Fight to possess it. Amen? So if you look at these two scriptures, there are so many of them in the Bible. You can read them when you get home. You can see that something, there's something that is peculiar. Say the same common, how, how do I put it? Something common to both of them. Even though they were given those lands as their inheritance. Still, they had to physically fight to possess those lands, to keep them. Praise the Lord. So Joshua gave them a rundown. The last one we read, Joshua actually gave them a rundown, if you read it through, all the way down, of all the boundaries. But see what happened. Did they possess all the lands as God commanded? The Bible said no. It was their inheritance. And yet, they didn't possess all of them. God expected them to fight and take a hold, grab all that has already given to them. Look at 1 Kings 22, verse 3. He says, during the visit, the king of Israel said to his officials, do you realize that the town of Ramoth Gilead belongs to us? And yet, we've done nothing to recapture it from the king of Aram. Let me just... Say it, rephrase it my own way. Let me read it out the way I wrote it. Do you realize that healing, prosperity, riches, protection, power to make wealth, etc., belong to you, child of God? Do you realize it? Healing is is in the atonement. It is the children's bread. It is yours. Because that is what is most common. He came with a very high price, like we saw, the blood of the Son of God. And yet, he says, we've done nothing to recapture it from the enemy. We only believe that we've received forgiveness of sins, and then we just relax, and then others, we just manage it. It doesn't happen like that. Healing is in the atonement. Let me give you an example. Let me read 1 Peter 2.24. Wherever you find forgiveness that we believe in, we also find healing. But we choose the forgiveness and we rejoice. How about the healing? We don't even try to possess that. First Peter 2.24, we know it says, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on that tree that we, having died to sin, may live for righteousness. 
You saw the forgiveness, right? Then he ended with, by whose stripes you were healed. Wherever you see forgiveness, you see healing. But we tend to do nothing about fighting for that which he has given to us. We want to manage it. Isaiah 53, 5 says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. By his stripes, we are healed. You see? He was wounded for your transgression. The sin has been forgiven. It has been paid for. Praise the Lord. So the point I'm trying to make is that healing is in the atonement. It is. Go back to that first uh, Kings 22, 3. It says, do you realize that the town of Ramoth Gilead belongs to us? Do you realize that all these things, all those blessings, they belong to you? Praise the Lord. It is still happening today. We are giving everything, but we choose to keep some. Probably some out of unbelief, and some of them out of what? Ignorance. We cannot be at ease in Zion. We cannot be at ease in Zion. We can't expect our inheritance to just fall into our hands. It doesn't work like that. From the text where we saw, you have to travail in faith. Praise the Lord. The gift of salvation has been made available with all the blessings that come with it. But we have to receive it for ourselves. Nobody is going to do that receiving for you. Amen. It demands fight, a fight, but not a physical one, the fight of faith. You have to be violent about it so you can take back that which rightly belongs to you. Praise God. Salvation is all-inclusive. Under the salvation we receive, we have eternal life. It's right there, the first thing. Then our forgiveness of sins. And then that's why you have the eternal life. It includes the healing, the prosperity, redemption work, the riches, the preservation. They're all included in our salvation. Praise the Lord. It is the bread of the children, that healing. God is waiting for us to rise and take by force that which rightly belongs to us. He has done his part. Jesus cannot go back to the cross and die again. He has paid the full price for all our inheritance. It's not your doing. It's not because of you. It's the merit. All on the merit of his son, Jesus Christ. Amen? It is free, but it costs him all of heaven's best. Amen? If you're hearing me right now, and you've not given your life to Christ... I beg of you, rethink. Rethink. You cannot possess what does not belong to you. We're going to possess it. We have coming from the place of victory already. It is ours in Christ Jesus. All we're trying to do, whether it is poverty, you're trying to fight it, you're trying to deny it, you disallow it because God already prospered you. He gave you riches. He gave you the power to make wealth. Everything that pertains to life and godliness. So we're coming from the place of victory, and we're trying to keep that which belongs to us. And it's easier to keep that which belongs to you than to fight to get something that you don't have. You agree with me, right? Amen. 
we must cross over this Jordan. What God said to Moses, to, jo um, to Joshua, and he repeated it to the children of Israel. I'm repeating it today. You must rise and cross over this Jordan. Amen. It is a fight of faith. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Amen. But against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age. Amen. Yeah, the weapons of our warfare, we're told that they are not physical. But they are mighty through God to pull down strongholds. Amen. That's what it is. We need to rise. God gave us everything we need to keep that which rightly belongs to us. Amen. And he showed us how to do it too. Look at this scripture, 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 28. I always love this scripture. It says, you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the um, things which are mighty, but the key verse is this one, and those things of the world, and, th and, and base things of the world, and things which are despised, God has chosen, and things which are not, to bring to nothing things that are. Amen. God chose things that are not. You can't see them. To bring to nothing, zero. Cancel them. Those things that you see, those things that are. He has chosen this method. He's chosen it. He's using those things that are not manifest, things that you cannot see with your natural eyes to bring to naught the things that are manifest. Not just means zero, to bring to naught, to nothing, to reduce to nothing. So God chose spiritual forces to use, to use things that are not manifest. He chose spiritual forces that you cannot see, you cannot feel, you cannot taste. Life goes beyond the things we can see and taste and feel. He chose things that are not seen to bring to naught the things that are manifest. So what I'm saying is that he chose this method to reduce everything that you see. If you can see it, if you have a problem, if you can see that sickness, poverty, the effect of it, and lack, and everything, if you can see it, it is what? It is bye-bye. It's as good as dead. Why? As long as you can see it, you can use your faith the word of God to change it. Amen. To bring to naught, nothing. If it can be made manifest, you use the word of God, things we cannot see, to do what you demolish it, to get it out of the way. Amen. So our inheritance, our inheritance was freely given to us, but we must fight the good fight of faith, like I said earlier, to keep that which is given to us. Amen. And if we're going to be effective in this battle, advancing this kingdom, we need zeal. We don't want anybody to push you. You need the passion, spiritual violence or force. This spiritual violence is all you need to stop the onslaught of the enemy. Amen. We must put away unbelief and fear. It will prevent you from possessing your inheritance. Like the people that call themselves grasshoppers. They all died in the 
wilderness. They didn't make it. We don't see us as grasshoppers. We still get to that. Amen? Yes. You have to prayerfully use the things that are not in the word of God to get rid of those things. No fear. As you steadfastly walking on that divine healing. Most of us are still taking pills. Yes. But this healing, like I said, is your right. It's my right. It's your right. The devil cannot put high blood pressure, diabetes, arthritis, cancer, and whatever things. The Bible says even those that are not named in the book of the law. He cannot put it on you and force it on you. And then we relax as if it is nothing. And we're gulping down those pills. I thank God for medical science. I thank God for herbs. I thank God for doctors. I don't belittle your work. I have three in my house. Praise the Lord. I do not mean to belittle your job. Amen. I'm only trying to encourage us to be walking on our divine healing. Walk on your divine healing. As we're popping those pills, yeah, they do well. They do good to do what? To minimize the symptom of high blood pressure, diabetes, and all of them. But don't do what? Don't relax. Don't be at ease. Be walking on your divine healing. Grab the scriptures. Grab the relevant scriptures that pertain to the situation you're passing through, to that challenge, and begin to take it, that God's pill. Drink them every day. Take the pill every day. Meditate on the scripture. Seize by force. Be violent. Don't just relax. You know what? When you get lax like that, laxity, you don't even remember about divine healing. You don't remember that the enemy is toying with you, holding that which rightly belongs to you, your healing. You just keep popping the pills. You do nothing about your divine healing. Man, we are doing ourselves a great disfavor. If somebody grabs your pocketbook now and you have $1,000 in it, you do all you can to take it back. Say, it's mine. It belongs to me, right? Healing is ours. We cannot manage those sicknesses, the symptoms. Yeah, go on, take the pills. We thank God for that medical science, the pills. They help to curb those symptoms. But go ahead. The only healer is what? God. He's giving you the word. Amen. To heal us and to do what? Deliver us out of all our destructions, including those ailments. Amen. Let us even look at what the Bible says about our inheritance. Ephesians 1.3, it says, May blessing and praise, laudation, eulogy, be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing, every spiritual, given by the Holy Spirit. That is what it means by spiritual. Spiritual blessings is given by the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord to you. Who is a Christian here? He said, God has given you all those spiritual blessings. And if you are one of those that we're talking about, the Christian, then these blessings are yours. The unsearchable riches of Christ, they belong to you. Amen. Of course, we know 1 Peter 3, 1 Peter 1, 3 and 4. 
that says that we'll be given everything that pertains to life and godliness. But let me read it. It says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we've been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance. That's the scripture I was talking about, sorry. A priceless what? Inheritance. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and defiled, beyond the reach of charge and decay. Nothing will happen to your inheritance. Praise the Lord. God is faithful. He keeps it. Nothing can take it away from you except you allow it. Satan cannot put anything on you if you do not allow it. Because you have a word to stand against him. So whatever things we allow here on earth, it's also allowed in heaven. But those things that you disallow, it's also disallowed in heaven already. I like that already. Because it means a lot to me. It means that God has no, heaven has no plan of just letting the devil to take what rightly belongs to you. So once you rise and you disallow it, already it is settled. It's established in heaven. Amen. Ephesians 1.17. It says, I always pray that God, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation that gives you a deep and personal and intimate insight into the true knowledge of him. For we know the Father through the Son. And I pray that the eyes of your heart, the very center and core of your being, may be enlightened, flooded with light by the Holy Spirit. It's for a reason, so that you will know and you will cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, the confident expectation to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance. In the sense, all that big prayer that Paul was praying, just for you to know, to have this knowledge, experiential knowledge of this inheritance, praise the Lord. The violent takes it by force. Amen? He says, and that you begin to know what the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his active spiritual power in us. This power that is immeasurable, unlimited, and surpassing is all in you that believes, for a believer. And it is accordance with the working of his mighty strength, which he produced in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him. And you know what? He seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. I want to put it in a layman's language. That same power. You know, it's about time that we just rise and take God for his word. But we want to make everything like a rocket science thing so difficult. We need to rise. We need to rethink. We need to have a different mindset, a new mindset, and begin to take God for his word. If he said it there, it is just simple. It is as he said it. We don't need to add anything to make it more difficult. This power that raised Christ from the dead is in you. Look at verse 22 to 23. It says, which is you, the body of Christ, has made him the head over all things in the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills and completes all things in 
all believers. You are the body of Christ. We are his hands and his feet. We're together with him. If he's seated in the, that is a positional place now. He's seated with God, right? In the heavenly places, at his right hand side. Will the body be different from the head? We're seated together with him. We want to make this in a big deal. God has put it down there. Take him at his word. That is what we need to do. We need to begin to rethink. Yes, we are the part of the body that is running errands for him here on earth. Positionally, we're seated with him. And he has put all things, all things, including the forces of darkness, under his feet. Praise the Lord. The ability of God that is within us is just limitless. Amen. It is limitless. Ephesians 4.1, it says, so I the prisoner. Let me quickly go to 13. Although it talks about living a life that expresses gratitude to God for your salvation. Verse 13 says, until we all reach oneness in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, growing spiritually to become a mature believer, reaching to the measure of the fullness of Christ." Manifesting his spiritual completeness. Hey. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He wants us to grow. He doesn't want us to be children tossed up and down. He wants us to grow up to the full stature of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. You are a partaker of the divine nature. Everything Jesus purchased for you in redemption, the work of redemption is available to you. He did it for you. He didn't get it for himself. He made it available to you. Praise the Lord. There's no ground for us to begin to say we are weak. No. We cannot talk about we don't have this, we don't have faith, we don't have... We, no, 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 no. You have everything. You know why? He says because from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Let me just read it where you will like it more. John 1.16. For out of his fullness, abundance, we have all received, all had a share, and we were all supplied with one grace after another grace, after another grace, and spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, and even favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift. All the completeness. Amen. Well, only those few that are shouting understand it. You better try to understand it so you can do it violently by force. Grab, seize, take hold of that which rightly belongs to you. Amen. Let me look at Romans 8. I want to look at verse 17 in the Amplified Classic. Even though there are things I'm missing up there, but because of time, I'll go straight to verse 17. And it says, and if we are his children, then we are his heirs, also heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And then we're singing it. We don't even know what it really means. So whenever Pastor Dorothy brings it up, begin to sing and dance so, because it is huge. He says, sharing his inheritance with him. You are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. 
sharing his inheritance with him. Praise the Lord. We must, only he says, but only we must share his suffering if we are to share his glory. Praise the Lord. You are heirs of God. This is who you are. You belong to the family of God. You are heirs of God. You are joint heirs with Christ. Everything about the kingdom is yours. It's legally yours. If you don't want it, God has given it to you. Go and dash it to the devil. We are the title. Look, when Pastor was talking about the title deed, I quickly ran and look at the title deed. I want to tell you, go back and listen to Pastor's preaching. Pastor Emmanuel's preaching, our senior pastor's preaching on the things that are freely given to you. Oh my God. Go and listen and listen and listen. Believe me, you will not remain the same again. All those radical teachings, the one he talked about, um, partakers, partakers of the divine nature. Wow. Go and listen. Everything is legally yours. Amen. Even the revelation in it is yours. Amen. The Spirit of Christ gives us a guarantee that everything he owns is yours. It is all yours. Amen. Everything in that kingdom, in verse 17, it says, is bequeathed to us. Everything he owns, the Father owns, is bequeathed to you. The violence, you need to take those things by force. Amen. Not only forgiveness of sin, salvation is huge. Everything that goes with salvation, every work of redemption, redemptive work he did, everything was for you and available. But you have to rise up and take it by force. Amen. Okay, maybe I should just go forward. You have his ability. You have his ability. Luke 2, 24, 49 says, tarry in the city until you clothed with power from on high. And that was Jesus speaking to the disciples. Praise the Lord. Power to do what? It means ability to do everything that God has created you to do. You're clothed with that ability from on high. You can hear, just like God is saying, I've given you power. Go now, heal the sick. Raise the dead. Raise the dead. Enter into the fullness of divine life. You have the ability to enter into that fullness of divine life. Amen. Of course, we have the name of Jesus. We have the name of Jesus. We use the name of Jesus. It's an awesome, awesome thing. God has actually prepared us for this kingdom fight. He gives you access to the Father's presence. You know that. We have victory over sicknesses, over diseases, over failures. Over no do well. We have victory over the forces of darkness. That same Holy Spirit that the apostles walked with is still in us. We are blessed with all spiritual blessings, like we have said. Praise the Lord. We've been blessed with everything that redemption could give. You have it all. Amen. So it's about time for us to stop, to stop whining like ordinary people. No. You know whose you are. And that is what matters. Not just who you are, but whose you are. Amen. The Father, he will just love it if we we'll stop whining 
about little things and be redemption-minded. Forget about circumstances. We cannot continue to be circumstance-minded or failure-minded and all those things because we have received grace upon grace, everything we need. Philemon said we should begin to acknowledge these things, the acknowledgement of these things. What would they do for you? They will help your faith to be more effective. Finally, what else remains? Jesus has done it all. He has given us everything. He has gone to the cross. Everything that pertains to life and goodness and godliness, he has given to us every spiritual blessing. Healing is included. Divine healing. You have the scriptures. We read it. Ephesians 1, 19 to 20 says again that we have victory. The one that raised Christ, the power that raised him from the dead, that resurrection power is on the inside of you. Jesus cannot go back to the cross. All we need has been given to us. Praise the Lord. You may not see them, but when you go and read, there's something that Pastor Rati would always teach us here, spirit, soul, and body. You go back and read her message on that. You can see it. You may not see all these things, but they are given to you. They are there in your spirit, man. It's for you to do what to pull them out. And you do that by doing what? Remaining in the word, fellowshipping, meditating on the word until these things become real to you. You begin to experience them. They become a reality to you. Amen. The violent takes it by force. Take God at his, at his word like Abraham did. We need to do that, to take God at his word. Amen. The God that did all these things is faithful. Hebrews 6, 18 says, so God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. Amen. Two immutable things. You can trust him that what he said he will do, he can do. Amen. Take advantage of your rights and privileges in Christ. You've never asserted those rights as a son of the family. You've unconsciously relegated the thing to the enemy and relegated yourself to the place of a servant. You don't need anybody again to pray for you. When the problem comes, you need to rise. Make do, do away with unbelief. You know what unbelief does? You will never get your inheritance when you set unbelief before you. Remember when John said, you know, in unbelief, doubting. Christ sent, God sent, Christ sent back the word to him. Tell him, the blind see, the lame, the walk. Whenever unbelief sets in, when you're fighting for something, go back to that scripture that is related to that situation and begin to meditate, meditate and meditate. And the miracle will come. Amen. So spiritually, people, spiritually violent people that we saw in the Bible, I may not be able to read. I'll just tell you, blind Bartimaeus, remember blind Bartimaeus? He has this violent faith. When people were trying to stop him, he was crying out, son of David, have mercy on me. And the men were trying to silence him. But violent faith cannot be stopped. It may look terrible today. And tomorrow, even if there's anything like water, you keep violent faith.
cannot do what? Cannot move. It stays put. It's faith that cannot be denied. The, the, the man was still screaming, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Violent faith, which I call the uh, mustard kind of faith. Mustard seed kind of faith. Eventually, what did Jesus do? Jesus went and did what? Gave him his sight. He received it. The woman with the issue of blood, you know, it was a taboo for her to come out there when everybody was there. She was, you know, the blood was flowing. But she said, nothing will stop her. I must touch the hem of his garment. And if I touch it, I know that I'll receive my healing. Violent faith. And what happened? She pressed through until she received her healing. Amen. We saw the paralyzed man. Those men were too much. And I keep thinking, how did they even bore that hole on the roof to bring this man? Their faith was so strong that nothing could stop them. They must have believed that once this thing he gets to Christ, the answer will come. Violent faith. No matter what the situation, no matter what that child, the pepper he's giving you, or that husband, or that wife, that situation, that challenge, stand on the word. Stand on the word. Don't be moved from that word. Keep your eyes on that word. I will get to that. Amen. So we need to possess. Let's look at Abraham's story. How to possess our possessions. We saw Romans 4. I'm trying to look at some of the points that we, we, we need to apply to in our own situations. It says, the promise depends on faith. That's the first thing I saw. Every promise depends on what? Faith. You can only do what? You can only assess it. By faith. You can only take it by faith. He says, so that it can be experienced as a grace gift. And now it extends to all descendants of Abraham. This promise is not only meant for those who obey the law, but also those who enter into the faith of Abraham, the father of us all. Let me quickly go to verse 18. He says, against all odds, when it looked hopeless, Abraham believed the promise and expected see. One, against all odds, the doctors have given you the final, what, death sentence. And you're looking at the symptoms. They are getting worse. Even the medications couldn't help. But see what happened. Against all odds, you stand on the word. You stand on that promise. Praise the Lord. Abraham stood. He looked, even though the situation looked hopeless, Abraham believed the promise do you believe the word? Do you believe that God is able to do what he said he will do? Abraham didn't just even believe. He was expecting God to fulfill it. You stand believing that this sickness is a, is a goner. God has already done it. By his stripes I was healed. He hung on that cross. He took everything for me. And then you stand. You don't just stand believing. You also believe that you're expecting. You're full of expectations. And the Bible says the expectation of the righteous shall not be cut off. Amen? Full of expectations. Expect it. It shall not be cut off. He says, Abraham took God at his word. That was the, that, the first thing that challenged. He, said, he took God at his word. That's what I've been screaming today. Take God at his word. And as a result, he became the father of many nations. And as a result of you taking God by your word, the healing comes. The breakthrough comes. Amen. 
Go to verse 19. It says, in spite of being nearly 100 years old when the promise of having a son was given, his faith was so strong that it could not be undermined. His faith, and where does that faith come from? Faith comes from what? Hearing and hearing as you continue to listen to the messages you're speaking, confessing the word because what you're speaking, you hear it more from the inner ear. As the scientist said, I don't know about that, but the more you speak it, that confesses the word. You're listening to messages. You're reading the word of God. What happens? Your faith cannot be undermined. Praise the Lord. God cannot lie. It grows stronger. He never stopped believing God's promise. No matter what you see, even if the situation gets worse and worse and worse, excuse me for that, what do you do? You cannot stop believing God's promise. Amen? Keep on believing. Keep on believing. And what does it do for you? Your faith gets stronger and stronger and stronger. Amen. You are walking those faith muscles as you keep standing and professing, proclaiming the word of God over that situation. Then, come down to verses 20 to 21. It says, he never stopped believing God's promise. He made him, he became strong in his faith. Then he was convinced that God had all the power needed <laughs> to fulfill his promise. King James says he was fully persuaded. Some said he got the, hope, the full assurance of his faith. As you continue, like Abraham did, as you continue in the word of God to listen, to just keep your eyes on that word, at this stage you'll be fully persuaded that this sickness is over. Praise the Lord. That this, that situation is over. That child has come back. To his, to his first love, God. Praise the Lord. He was fully convinced. He was fully persuaded. Amen. So when you look at what we're talking about, possessing your possession, the first thing is all about faith. All about faith. And that faith comes from what? The word of God. And you don't just go take any word of God. Only the words that are relevant to that situation. You're not going to be drinking Panadol when you're having a um, running stomach, you take the relevant scriptures and begin to take in God's spill and focus on what the word of God says and believe that he's able to do that which he said that he's going to do. Amen? I will quickly, when you get home, you can go through and see how you can possess that possession. Amen? So we see in Abraham a persistent faith, the mustard seed faith. And then there's a place again in the Bible where we saw a Gentile woman that showed that kind of present faith. Yes, she went to the master and asked him as the Lord to heal her daughter, the woman of Canaan. But then the Lord told her, the Lord said no, that disciples, first of all, they wanted to do what? To shut her up. They wanted to shut her up. But the master said nothing. And the woman kept on pressing. And they kept on trying to shut her up. But eventually, the Lord answered, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Some of us will feel like, yeah, what kind of insult is this? Just because I want him to heal my son 
or my daughter. But guess what the woman said? She said, hmm, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs, they eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Wow. Even Jesus himself said, oh, woman, he said to her, oh, woman, great is your faith. And at that safe instant, the daughter got healed. Amen. He commended her. That is the characteristics of this mustard seed faith. We learn that people have given their testimonies that have planted seed, especially the one I was listening in, um, one of those teachings from Andrew Womack, said planted so many seeds, and then she was called out. She traveled out or something. The plants, they were growing when she left. By the time she came back, all the other plants, see, they were dead, except the mustard seed plants. It withdrew all their source of the weather and everything. And that persistence is what we saw in Abraham. And that persistent faith, the mustard seed faith, that we get from doing what? Standing in the word of God. is how to possess our possession. Amen? There's no complaining. You cannot complain. We learned that the Israelites took 40 years to journey into the promised land instead of what? Suppose 11 days that they were to take. Deuteronomy 1, 2 to 3 says, normally it takes only 11 days to travel from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea, going by way of Mount Seir. But 14 years after the Israelites left Egypt, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses addressed the people of Israel, telling them everything the Lord had commanded him to say. If you go down, you see what Moses told them. But the thing is that the journey that would have taken just 11 days took them 40 years because they were complaining. They were grumbling. Numbers 21, let's see an example of that grumbling, what it did for them. Verses 4 to 9, to nine. I'm not going to read the whole. I'll just bring from 7. Therefore, the people came to Moses. First of all, they were grumbling, verse 5. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water. And our souls loathe this worthless bread. They were complaining. They were nagging. And verse 7. The people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. Now, what happened? Okay, I missed something, verse 6. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they beat the people, and many of the people of Israel died. You're not complaining when you're seeing things. Instead of complaining, focus on that word. Praise the Lord. And then they, now came from, they, ran, they ran back to Moses. We have sinned. We have spoken against the Lord and against you. I pray, uh, pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And it shall be that everyone who is beaten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made that bronze serpent and stood it there. Why did God send snakes? They were bad murmuring. They were complaining. Mind what you say when you're passing through a situation. Let not be murmuring or complaining come out of your mouth. Guess what? That brazen serpent that stood there was just a picture, a symbol of Christ. Like we sang this morning, the judgment was on him. God judged him when he was hanging on that cross, like that brazen serpent. So when you look at the serpent, you will live. The same thing today. 
Jesus, the son of the living God, hung on that cross. He was judged. Our sins, our lawless deeds, everything, everything God puts, all, all of them were on him when he hung on that cross. And God judged him. God did what? Judged him. And so today, the Bible says, looking unto Jesus, Jesus, God made flesh. Looking at the word of God, you're looking at Jesus, the word made flesh, I mean. And as you look at it, keep focusing on it. Remove your eyes from the symptom. He said to remove your eyes from the snake and look at the brazen snake. It's time for you to rise and remove your eyes from that symptom. Remove your eyes from the disease. Remove your eyes from the sickness and fix your gaze on what? Jesus, the word made flesh. Fix your eyes on the word of God. What he said, you fixed it on Jesus. That's how you fixed it on Jesus. Praise the Lord. And as you fix your focus on Jesus, not minding the snakes. You know, it's not an easy thing, not minding those snakes. They were to just keep looking at the brazen snake. And they think we were biting them everywhere. That's how it is. The situation can get bad because the snakes were all over the people, but they had to fix their eyes on the brazen serpent. No matter how deadly that situation, the Lord will help you. The Lord will help us to keep focusing on Jesus. Jesus on that cross. He was judged for that sickness. He was judged. And today you are healed because he went to that cross. Because he was judged in your place. Praise the Lord. Keep looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Amen. I want to share the last thing. You know, as I was listening to that message, Duma was saying, you know, like I said earlier, it's easier to keep something away, right? You're fighting to keep what you have than, you know, going to get it. But you have it already. It's easier to fight to keep it, right? The same thing I had at one. When we're fighting from the place of victory, we're trying to keep what we have. And when you're fighting, if it's in the case of sickness, you're not trying to get, fight to get healed. When you do that, you will lose it. It means you didn't believe that you're already healed. But you're fighting from the place of victory to keep your victory. And so she said something. She said, write it down. And I did. She said, sin is to temptation what, um, what symptom is to disease. I think she said sickness. She said sin is to temptation what sickness is to symptom. Let me explain it to you. When things begin to happen, don't stay there and be eased. Stay at ease in Zion. Open your mouth. If you begin to feel the pain, begin to talk. Begin to speak. God says, speak to the mountain. Don't speak to God. Don't complain. Begin to speak to that sickness. Begin to speak to the pain. I disallow you in my body. I disallow you. Whatever I disallow right here is already disallowed in heaven. You are a cause of the law. I give no place to you in my body. I give no place to sickness, to disease in my body. She said, when you see the symptom, begin to seek, to speak. The symptom is not the sickness itself. But it's when you allow the symptom to settle and you don't do what you ought to do. You're staying at ease in Zion. The sickness comes in and it's more difficult. Praise the Lord. 
So sin is to what? Temptation. What sickness is to what sickness is to symptom? Praise the Lord. You can go and listen and get it right. Amen. So when you see the first sign of symptom, begin to speak. Amen. 